Hi, and welcome to another of our bite-sized or mini-podcast versions of the Room and Room podcast series. Presented by myself, my name's Charlotte Westwood, and we're proudly sponsored by PGG Rights and Seeds. Essentially, our bite-sized podcasts are designed for our smaller podcasts covering off our smaller bite-sized topics. And for this latest one, we're going to be covering off a condition that I guess we can loosely define as frost bloat. Typically in cattle, occasionally in sheep, not so often, but typically in cattle, when we shift them onto a break first thing on a very cold, frosty morning before the frost's lifted off that forage. Now, during midwinter, it's not uncommon, you know, for heavy frost to occur in the early hours of the morning, especially further south in New Zealand, and or those of you farming at higher altitudes, so certainly it's a problem at higher altitudes in the North Island of New Zealand as well. This topic of frost bloat will not be anything new to most of you tuning into this podcast, and of course, most of you will also know the golden rule about, in the ideal world, not shifting stock onto a new break of pasture or forage crop, such as uh, a winter brassica or a fodder beet, winter cereal, when that forage is still frozen after a decent frost. So that's the golden rule. Let's have a little bit more of a deep dive into this frost bloat topic, looking at what frost bloat is and then, of course, what we can do to prevent it. First up, let's define what is frost bloat. Those of you farming in warmer parts of the world might not have come across this condition. So just to frame the topic up, let's first define what frost bloat is. As you've probably already gathered, put very simply, if you shift cattle onto a fresh break of pasture, but particularly our high quality forage crops that have got a lot of, a lot of soluble protein and fermentable carbohydrates in there, if that forage is frosted, cattle are at a much greater risk of getting bloated, rumen bloat, on that forage than if that same forage was nicely thawed out and warmed up later in the day. In terms of which cattle are more likely to succumb to frost bloat, it's the same rules of thumb that we see with, for example, a frothy bloat, and that tends to be more often uh, in mature dairy cattle than beefies, Although beefies most certainly will bloat. I know a lot of you be going, no, our beefies bloat too, for sure. But dairy cattle, particularly those with New Zealand genetics in them, have been bred in a pastoral environment to compete really, really well for available feed. And they've got quite good, uh, what should we say, quite assertive, these dairy cows, New Zealand bred dairy cows. They're very good at eating a lot of feed in a very short period of time. So maybe that's one risk factor why quite often uh, mixed age dairy cows, dry cows through the winter are very good at scoffing a lot of feed in a very short time. But yeah, like we say, beef cattle most certainly will also bloat, both, both in terms of frozen forages and therefore frost bloat, but of course also our good old standard frothy bloat on pastures, but also of course lucerne. A lot of uh, deaths unfortunately of beef animals on lucerne. But goodness me, can't those dairy cows eat so fast? So either way, back on track, whether it's dairy or beef animals, we clearly don't want our beautiful cattle uh, getting bloated on frosty mornings. And of course, first thing in the morning, the most important thing is your well-being, because you can sure do without having a panic about bloat in your cattle so very early in the morning. So for the sake of the cattle and for the sake of your well-being, my well-being, all of us, let's try and work through some ways to firstly understand why frost bloat occurs and then of course have a quick review of the basics of what we need to do to reduce the risk of uh, frost bloat occurring. 
So first up, why do we think that frozen forages may increase the risk of bloat in cattle? Be very honest with you. Don't know. It's probably a lot of theories around this. But we don't really understand why cattle are more likely to bloat on frozen forages. Possibly it's more likely to do with the frozen state of the plant cells and that they're potentially more fragile, more likely to break down very quickly than non-frozen plant cells. So what we think might be happening here is that when stock eat and chew the frozen leaf and stem perhaps of some of your winter forage crops, that that plant material breaks down a lot more quickly when it's chewed. So when, when cattle are harvesting and chewing that feed, it's starting to fracture and break down in their mouths even before they've swallowed it. As well as that, once that chewed, frozen feed is down the esophagus, down the food pipe, and arrives into the rumen, those plant cells that uh, were eaten at zero degrees or mi minus five or wherever you are in colder climates, when those plant cells hit the nice, toasty, warm rumen, where it might be 39 or even 40 degrees Celsius or even warmer due to the heat of fermentation going on in there, the plant cells will very rapidly warm up and are more likely, maybe more fragile, to quickly, rapidly release all of those plant cell contents once it's in the rumen fluid. So rapid loss of plant proteins and quickly fermentable carbohydrates from the plant cells becoming very quickly available as a fermentable substrate for the rumen microbes to get to work and start to use all those nice fermentable stuff up to use as an energy source for those microbes. So it's likely all of that process is happening more quickly with frozen forage than if it was uh, nicely defrosted, warmed up forage later in the day. Long story short, that's the first mechanism that may well increase risk of uh, frost bloat when cattle eat frozen fresh forages. Now another risk factor for frost bloat when cattle eat frozen forages is maybe to do with how the cattle are eating this frozen fresh forage. It's likely that the frozen plants are more easily consumed by cattle so that the cattle don't have to add as much saliva to the feed as they're eating frozen feed as if they were eating something dry and warm such as dry warm hay. So the key point here is if on these wet frozen forages cattle are reducing the amount of saliva that they're adding to every mouthful of food that they're consuming of this frozen stuff, we have less saliva. And of course saliva contains Mother Nature's natural anti-bloating compounds that act as anti-foaming agents. So if less saliva is added, we don't have as much anti-foaming agents and buffers, for example, specifically sodium bicarb, but also phosphate buffers added to that feed. So when the feed drops into the rumen, the pH of the rumen may be dropping more quickly, and that may be part of the mechanism that increases risk of bloat by having a sudden drop in rumen pH. So that's possibly another mechanism, and certainly many of you, even who farm in warmer climates, will be aware that when we've got a problem of high risk of bloat, perhaps too many clovers in the sward, whatever, is that if cattle go onto a fresh break, even if it's not frozen with frost, but you've got a very heavy dew there, because it's so wet, that also increases risk of bloat through cows or cattle reducing the amount of saliva added per mouthful consumed. So 
wet, dewy, fresh forages in the morning are at greater risk of causing bloat in cattle, and it's likely that that's a mechanism that's contributing to frost bloat as well. So there's probably some other theories out there around frost bloat and what's happening, but enough about the why around bloat on forage, uh, frozen forages. Let's kind of move on to the what. So leave the why behind and now the what. What in this discussion can we cover off on to do or to aim to reduce risk of frost bloat occurring on fresh forages after a decent frost? Well, of course, it's pretty pretty basic stuff, and you're probably going, oh, Charlotte, come on, the number one rule is, of course, let's not shift cattle onto frozen forages on frosty morning. And yes, of course, you're very right there. It is the most important rule of the lot. So we're talking about changing your morning routine best that you can. Ideally, you can, uh, on yesterday's break of feed, feed out silage or baleage or hay or some yummy ryegrass straw or something to keep the cattle very full, fully fed and happy. Head off and do some other jobs, other chores that you need to do while waiting for that frost to hopefully lift, hopefully if the sun's going to come out. Once the frost has lifted and thawed, then come back and shift them across onto their fresh break of partial forage crop later in the morning. Now that's all very well to sit and say that's ideally what we hope will happen, but of course we all know that sometimes we have those awful days where the frost doesn't uh, lift, doesn't thaw out, it may be that a fog drops down, uh, simply that it stays overcast. And of course, that's when we have issues of saying, well, Charlotte, you're saying you're waiting for the frost to lift and what about those mornings where that doesn't happen? And yeah, um, totally hear you on that one. Now, there's not an easy answer for those really bleak cold days, except to shift them onto the break. But as mentioned before, make sure the cattle are absolutely chocker, full of high fibre, tasty, palatable supplementary feeds before shifting them. Keep an eye out for those cows, these are dairy cows particularly we're pointing the finger at here, who love their crop and no matter you're feeding out fibre, they may just be standing waiting to be shifted and they're actually quite empty in the gut. So those ones will still remain at greater risk of bloat and it may be if you've got a bit of a hard core of some cattle in there that you know don't eat a lot of supplements and they're, they're junk, crop junkies waiting to get onto their winter crop, you may just have to stay close and keep an eye out for bloat if you do need to shift them when the crop is still frosted. So not an easy workaround in those really cold bleak days. Now, clearly in a roundabout way, I've kind of got ahead of myself here. We've already covered the other second most important topical mechanism preventing frost bloat. And as mentioned, filling cattle up with a real full room and full of baleage, silage, straw, so long as the straw is a tasty type. So this will definitely help slow down the rate of, of the, will overcome the hunger risk factor around bloat hopefully slow down the rate of gorging or absolutely eating very, very fast, particularly those dominant cattle in a mob. You know which ones they'll be, and of course they are the ones that tend to bloat anyway, are they not? So frost bloat, like frothy bloat that occurs on clovers and legumes, including leucine, is of course most definitely a more likely thing to occur when cattle are hungry. So it's an absolute given, making sure those cattle have a lot to eat and they're not as hungry. Now, a quick mention here around anti-bloat products. So obviously we've got a range of lick blocks out, out there that contain anti-bloating products within them. Now, in theory, these types of bloat control products could help reduce risk of frost bloat 
However, we know with lick-type products that there's always the issue of uh, not all animals accessing those free-choice lick products. So maybe 20% eat a lot of them and, and uh, 60% don't have much at all and then you know another 20% have none. So there's always a risk that a proportion of the cattle won't have access to those free-choice products if you've got a dominant animal standing over them, the submissive ones miss out. So look, to be honest, waiting for the frost to lift, to thaw before moving uh, cattle onto a new break combined with feeding lots of longer stem high fibre supplements before you shift them, uh, those are strategies that are by far more likely to be effective in preventing bloat on frozen forages. But I guess lick products uh, make you feel a little bit better by all means use them, but I wouldn't use them on their own as the only strategy to reduce risk of bloat on frozen forages. Well, that's us for now. Another of our smaller bite-sized Room and Room podcasts. For those of you who might be a bit shorter time to tune into our longer ones, uh, or for those of you that just need little bite-sized chunks of information about individual, smaller, nutritionally-themed topics. Let us know if you do like these shorter podcasts. Always love to hear from you. Enjoy the feedback. And if you like these shorter ones, we'll certainly make sure to include more of these for you. In the meantime, hit subscribe and that way you'll make sure you're never going to miss another one of these podcasts. If you've liked this, uh, tell your friends to have a listen in as well. We'd love to have more people join us, the more the merrier. In the meantime, this has been Charlotte Westwood and on behalf of myself, but also our sponsors, PGG Rights and Seeds, hope you have an awesome day out and about whatever you're up to. Tune in, we'll catch up again soon. Cheers. Cheers.